All right, I'm impressed with the sunshine that you came. I almost didn't. Um, so it is really nice out there, isn't it? So, um, so two weeks ago, um, if you were here, you, uh, you may recall that I was supposed to teach a message here, um, but at 4 p.m. on Saturday, tested positive for COVID. And so I want to give a big shout out to James because, yeah, I'm clap for him because... He put together a message between 4 p.m. and morning and came in here and knocked it out. So really happy for that. So here's what went on with all that. So I got COVID. I got all the symptoms. I got the, uh, you know, the can't smell, the can't taste thing. And luckily all that has come back. Um, but I had a message prepared two weeks ago. And I had another message already prepared for this week because I kind of like to stay ahead. And so what I've decided to do is today I'm going to give the message that I prepared for two weeks ago and the message that I prepared for this week, I'm going to keep in my pocket for the next time somebody calls me at 4 p.m. on Saturday because I've learned my lesson. And so someday you may hear that one. It won't fit the series, but it'll be great. So we are in the last week of our series called Onward We Stumble, where we're talking about areas where we as followers of Jesus stumble and ways to kind of do that um, in a forward manner. And if you have missed any of the series, I want to encourage you to go back uh, to our website um, and even on a lot of weeks, there were different people teaching at different um, venues because the content has been great and really varied. We, we've hit on um, childhood wounds, individualism, freedom, money, anxiety, being teachable, apathy, choices, worldliness, technology, and grumbling have all been topics. And the, the topic that I want to teach on this weekend, and the reason I'm still doing the message from two weeks ago, is when we came up with this series idea, this was the first thing that I knew that we had to talk about. In fact, not only did I know we needed to talk about it, I knew that this was going to be a difficult one to talk about, and it's the idea of power and authority. And there's a lot of reasons why it's kind of a difficult topic to, to broach. The first is, I know many of us here, we have been burned by people who have power in authority. And that's happened in our families. Um, maybe it's happened to us at work and in the world. And it's also happened in the local church. And even some of us may say that we've been burned by those in power and authority in this particular local church here at RIV. And, and, and I know that there are people, because I've talked to them, who are on the verge of leaving the local church or even the church universal um, over their hurt that has come at the hands of people with power and authority. And I just want to confess right at the beginning, I, I'm feeling a bit of insecurity about doing this because I worry that I might be the last straw for you. <laughs> And I recognize the, the unique uh, power that I have um, being the teaching pastor here at RIV. And I don't take that lightly. And, and I want to use my power well. And I know if I use my power well, that things could go poorly and I could do damage. And so with all of that said, I truly believe this is an issue um, that we need to address because this is an issue that the Bible addresses. Um, when the Bible talks about the people of God, it never sugarcoats this kind of stuff. 
We have examples in the Bible uh, of people who should have known better, who use their power and authority to oppress people instead of to serve people. We have judges who perverted justice and, and took bribes and lined their pockets. We have a king uh, by the name of Saul who once he found out that God had uh, appointed someone else to be king after him, he did everything in his power to kill that guy. And once that guy, David, became king, he abused his power by abusing a woman and having her husband killed. And then we go to the New Testament, and in Acts 20, we're told that even in the local church, there will be pastors, those who are supposed to lovingly care for their, their congregations, who will become like ravenous wolves tearing them apart in the church so that they can gain their own power. The Bible talks about all of that, but it also gives us examples of women and men who stood against those abuses of power. We have examples like John the Baptist, who, 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 who basically told tax collectors to stop abusing their influence and their power and authority to, to just rob people. He, he stood against King Herod, who was king at the time and was beheaded because of it. In the Old Testament, we have examples of, of these Jewish midwives who refused to obey the Pharaoh when the Pharaoh said that they were to drown baby children who were born, infants, and kill babies before um, they even had two breaths out of the womb. And ultimately, we have Jesus. We have Jesus who showed us a different example of how to use power and authority. Jesus who said these words, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and those in high positions act as tyrants over them. It must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. There are and there will be those who abuse their power and authority in this world. That is how the world is going to be. Jesus says that's how the world's going to be. That's going to happen in the world, but then Jesus says, it must not be so for you. So that's what we're going to look at today. And, and we're going to look at this idea of power and authority through a weird metaphor for our time. It's through the metaphor of shepherds. But let's pray first, and then we're going to look into that. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, we do come to you today acknowledging that we're coming from a bunch of different vantage points and and some of us carry more power and authority um, through either our position or our privilege than other people around us do. And others of us have been hurt and trampled over and over by people who have wielded their power recklessly and selfishly. Um, and so God, just, we just pray that um, wherever we're at, um, where we're in authority or we're under authority, um, help us to know what to do in those situations. I pray that for me. I pray that especially for me. As somebody who has unique authority, um, as a pastor in your son Jesus' church, I just pray that today and, and every day, I would follow Jesus' example, I would point people to him, and I'd be quick to repent when I stumble. And so I pray all of this in his name, the name of Jesus. Amen. 
Um, so the Bible talks a lot about shepherds, like a lot about shepherds. Like we see shepherds in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. Uh, we see uh, shepherds in the last book of the Bible, in the book of Revelation. We see it all over um, in between. There's at least six prophets at my, uh, my quick count um, that used sheep and shepherds and, and shepherding as, as, as metaphors and imagery in their prophecies. And a lot of the famous people in the Bible were shepherds. Uh, Abraham was a shepherd. Jacob was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. Rachel was a shepherd. And one of the main biblical metaphors we have for leaders is that leaders are those who shepherd people. And so it begs the question of why the Bible talks about shepherding so much when it talks about leadership. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. We could get into a lot of them today. But I think the big one for us in particular for this message is a shepherd is someone who has been given the power and authority to lead, and they do so but they're to do so with strength and tenderness and care. And it's notable that there's an extraordinary power differential between a shepherd and sheep. So I want you to hold all of that in your mind. And I know shepherds are not a big deal in our culture today unless you're driving near campus, right? But I want you to hold this in your mind, this imagery, and we're going to look at three passages of Scripture. One describes um, what a, a shepherd should be, given instruction to shepherds using their power and authority. The second is a rebuke of shepherds who did that really, really badly. And a third is a picture of the ultimate shepherd, the chief shepherd. Spoiler alert, it's Jesus, but we'll get there at the end, okay? Okay, here's the first passage, 1 Peter chapter 5. Peter writes this. He says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory about to be revealed, shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not out of greed for money, but eagerly, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Now, this set of instructions is being given to elders in a church. And elders and pastors in the Bible are interchangeable terms. Elders and pastors are the same thing. And pastor, that word, literally means to shepherd. It literally means shepherd. It is one who leads those under their care to pasture. That's what pastoring is. And what Jesus is saying is in his church, this is what he expects leadership to look like. And what we see in this imagery is profound. The first thing he says is, remember who this flock belongs to. Does he say that this is the pastor's flock, the shepherd's flock? No, he says, shepherd the flock, God's flock that is among you. It was a reminder to the shepherds, to the pastors, that the people that they are to care for are not their people. They're not their commodity. They're not theirs to use and abuse in any way that they want in order to gain more power and authority. They are the God's flock. And when I say that, some of you may be like, well, why are you just teaching about pastors? <laughs> because any sphere of influence that we are in as followers of Christ, anywhere we have power or authority, we should be leading like this. In fact, uh, um, we had a, a retreat with our staff recently, and we talked about power dynamics and power and authority and all that. And I, I had a chance to meet with our interns afterward, uh, our intern meeting that night, and they were shocked. Our interns were like, the big thing that, that got them was that they didn't realize they ever had power and authority. 
And then they were realizing that every single one of us has spaces where we're under authority and spaces where we're in authority, spaces where we don't have the power and spaces where we do have the power. And, and one of the interns, in fact, she was like, her mind was blown. She's like, I realize I walk into rooms and there are rooms in which I have power and authority. And so we are all created in the image of God. We are all sheep and we are all shepherds in different moments. So look at this specific calling here for those who shepherd. And notice what it says. It says, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Now that word overseeing, this word right here, literally means to look at intently with the aim of caring for that which you are looking at. That's what that means. We think of overseeing as, I'm going to jump up on the throne. I'm going to be at the top of the org chart, right? But what this says is, no, the person who's overseeing is the person who has their gaze set on someone, and they're trying to figure out, how do I care for the one on whom I have my gaze set? In other words, if you have to have your arm twisted to make your leadership about other people instead of yourself, then Christian leadership is not for you. If you think being a leader is about you having or you gaining power, as a follower of Jesus, you're doing it wrong. And he gives us an example. He says what? He says, not out of greed for money, but eagerly. And I'm not going to belabor that point because we talked about a month ago about money a lot. But when, when money becomes your thing, when greed becomes your thing, it becomes your master. It controls you and you trample on people around you. But instead, we are to eagerly not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. I love this picture. Think about this stunning image for a second. Imagine you've got a shepherd, right? So uh, I know we don't see shepherds a lot, but I want you to picture a shepherd with her sheep, right? And so she's got a staff in her hand, and with that staff, with the little hook thing on the end and the pointy end at the bottom, she could just what? She could beat those sheep up, right? <laughs> She could bludgeon the sheep. Um, she could lead them away from food into the desert. She could lead them away from, because they would trust her. She could lead them away from the river to a spot where she had, they had nothing to eat or nothing to drink. But that's not the example of what a shepherd does. A shepherd is strong and tender. Beats wolves that try to come after the sheep. <laughs> uses that hook to smack a snake if it's trying to get into the, into, the, into the sheep pen, and then sometimes does have to use that to nudge and move the sheep in the direction that they need to go. Strength and tenderness, using it for the good of the sheep so they can eat and drink and be cared for and lay down. Why? Because she's looking at them with the intent of caring for them. And here's the reason Christian leaders must lead differently. It's in the next little bit here. It says, when the chief shepherd comes, when the chief shepherd comes, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. When you, as a Christian, lead in any space, when you exercise authority in any space, you are representing the chief shepherd, Jesus. People under your care should look at the way you shepherd them and lead them, and they should have in their mind Jesus. And one day, you will receive that, that unfailing crown of glory. So think about all the spaces in which you lead. Your home, 
clubs you're involved in, sports teams you're on, in your neighborhood, in your church, in your business. You are a representative of Jesus. In the Old Testament, in Ezekiel, there's this rebuke of leaders who did not lead in this way. And this is what it says. It says, the word of the Lord came to me, to Ezekiel. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. (laughs) Prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord God says to the shepherds. Woe to the shepherds, (laughs) just keep saying it over and over, of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Shouldn't the shepherds feed their flock? You eat the fat, wear the wool, butcher the fattened animals, but you don't tend the flock. You've not strengthened the weak, healed the sick, bandaged the injured, brought back the strays, sought the lost. Instead, you've ruled them with violence and cruelty. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd. They became food for all the wild animals when they were scattered. My flock went astray on the mountains and every high hill. My flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth and there was no one searching or seeking for them. And he's not talking to the literal shepherds in Israel. He's talking to the leaders of of the children of Israel. This is a picture that they would have gotten because they understood the shepherding imagery. And it's so intense. He's like, you have been bad shepherds. And notice what motivated their false shepherding, their bad shepherding. Should sound familiar because it was in the first Peter passage. Greed and power. When they should have looked intently with the aim of caring for the one they were looking upon Instead, they slaughtered the flock. They scared the flock. They were violent. They were cruel. But it's not just what they did. It's what they didn't do. Look at this. It says they didn't strengthen the weak. They didn't heal the sick. They didn't bandage the injured. They didn't bring back the strays. They didn't seek the lost. So like I said, I get ahead on message prep as much as I can. So my first draft of this was written a long, long time ago. (laughs) And when I started studying through this passage, as someone who is one of the pastors at Riverview, I had to ask myself really hard questions. You know, because like the last several years have been rough on everybody. Can we just collectively sigh about that? It's been been hard. Um, And the question I had to ask myself is in relation to the church, did I not do the things that these shepherds were told that they did not do? Were there strays that I didn't hunt for? (laughs) And I don't mean people who jumped from one church to another. We've all had those happen, um, those hurt. Um, And I'm talking about people who just decided like during this last several years, they wanted nothing to do with Jesus. Were there people who were weak and I didn't bandage them? I didn't strengthen them? Were there times where I was just kind of licking my own wounds so much during this last season that I failed to tell people about Jesus the way I used to tell people about Jesus? And when I really wrestled with this, I had to say, yeah, I dropped the ball in some of this stuff. So my question is, how about you? In the spheres where you have power and authority, how do you exercise it? How have you done in your spaces? Listen to what God says to these shepherds. He says, therefore, built on all that, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. He says this, as I live. By the way, if God starts a sentence with as I live, 
you might want to pay attention. He really lives, right? He's like, as I live, this is the declaration of the Lord God. Because my flock lacking a shepherd has become prey and food for every wild animal. Because my shepherds do not search for my flock. And because the shepherds feed themselves rather than my flock. Therefore, you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says. Look, I am against the shepherds. You don't want God to say that. He says, I will demand my flock from them and prevent them from shepherding the flock. The shepherds will no longer feed themselves for I will rescue my flock from their mouths so that they will not be food for them. What is God doing? He's reminding Israel, it's my flock. These people that I've entrusted to your care, they're mine. And if you you ain't gonna do it, I'm gonna take them back and love them. If you're not going to care for them, I'm going to take them back and care for them. I'm going to protect them because I'm their chief shepherd. Now, here's the thing that I know. Some of you may have been hurt by churches. Some of you may have been hurt by this church. And this is an important word for us today. You have a shepherd that will not abuse you. He will not use his power against you. He will not use it in wicked ways. He rescues you. He never gives up on you. And this is how he describes himself. Truly, I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he's brought out all of his his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they'll run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. And Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they didn't understand what he was telling them, which whenever the Bible tells me that, that's my most encouraged verse. Jesus said something, they don't get it. Cool, me neither. And then he says, Jesus said again, truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And this is beautiful because any first century hearer of this would get the whole imagery instantly, even though we don't get it quite as much. So let me try to paint the picture for you. At the end of the day, uh, the sheep would all get gathered into this large pen. So imagine in this room, there's, there's a stone wall all the way kind of like around here. So there's a stone wall that goes all the way around here. And there's no entrance to the stone wall except like right here, like this spot right up here. So right here is the entrance to this whole area. So the sheep would be in here at night. And then there would be a, a watcher, a, a gatekeeper that would hang out right here in the entrance to make sure nobody goes in to steal the sheep, right? So the shepherd would go away to sleep for the night and then he would come back in the morning. A thief may come in the middle of the night and he can't go through the guy because the guy's at the gate, right? So he's guarding the gate. Sometimes he would, if he locked the door and he wanted to sleep himself, he'd lay down in front of the gate, right? So he'd lay down in front of the gate to protect the gate. And then if a thief wanted to come in, he'd have to scramble up over the wall, grab a sheep and go back up over the wall because he couldn't go through where this, this gate is. And so in the morning, shepherd would get up, get his cup of coffee. He'd wander down. He'd kick the gatekeeper, wake him up, say, I got to go in and get my sheep. And he'd go in. Problem is, it's not just his sheep. 
Because in this big enclosed area, it'd be his sheep and another shepherd's sheep and another shepherd's sheep are all mixed up there. It's like sheep pandemonium, right? Inside of this pen. But what he would do is he'd walk in and he would call out to his sheep. And his sheep, because they had known him their entire life, knew his voice and they would come. And then he would walk out in front of them and lead them out. Now, here's the beautiful thing that happens in the middle of this. When the disciples don't get the whole thing, and they're like, sorry, dude, we're confused. Jesus says this weird thing. Did you catch it? He just got done talking about the fact that he was a shepherd, and then he goes, I'm the gate. (laughs) Well, what does that mean? Well, the shepherd would literally be the gate. Because the shepherd would stand there in that spot right in the door, And his sheep, he would lead out. And the other sheep, he would keep in. He himself would be the gate. Jesus is like, I am the shepherd. I am the gate. I know the sheep. They know me. They know my voice. And I know them by name. I'm not a thief. I'm not a robber. I'm not here just to steal them. They hear my voice and they know I am the one person here that is there to love them and care for them. And I am their way. I am the way to pasture. I am the way to water. I am the way to food. I'm their gate. And then Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. In other words, Jesus is saying, for all of us, he's the door. He's the gate. He's the one who will never abuse his power and authority toward us. And then he says, this is what Christian leadership is. You've probably heard the often misquoted quote by a guy named Lord Acton in the 1800s. If you don't know who he is, you've heard his quote. His famous quote is, power always corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Have you heard that? Well, I just misquoted it because everyone does. Um, That's actually not um, what he said. This is how he said. He said, power tends to corrupt, which is actually a better thing to say. Because power doesn't always corrupt, but it certainly tends to. And absolute power corrupts absolutely. Great men are almost always bad men. Now, I got to say, I agree with the first part to there. But from here on out, don't agree. This is baloney. You, You know why it's baloney? There's only one great man that has ever existed. And that great man is Jesus. There's only one that has ever had absolute power. And that his name is Jesus. And he wielded it perfectly. This is what we stand for as followers of Jesus. This world is going to have power that lords it over people. But it must not be so with you. Because we follow Jesus. And he was in every passage that we covered today. <laughs> 1 Peter 5, he was the chief shepherd. Ezekiel, he's the one who rescues the sheep from wicked shepherds. John, he tells us he is the gate and the good shepherd. He is the one with the most power, and what did he do with it? He went to the cross. With all the power, think about this, Jesus could have screamed out, just a blip, because snapped his fingers, and angels would have flown out of glory and rescued him from the cross. But what did he do? He laid down his life for many. Jesus, the chief shepherd, became the lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. He laid down his life. 
His power and authority was directed toward us to save us. He's the ultimate example for those of us who lead, and he's the comforter and protector for those of us when we've been abused. So I want to do something different and weird right now. Uh, not weird, but just different. I'm just going to stop talking for a little bit and invite Wendy up. Um, the reason I want to invite Wendy up is Wendy is on staff here at RIV. She's um, one of our ministers, and she oversees our um, women's ministry here at RIV. And we had that staff retreat that I mentioned earlier. Um, and at the staff retreat, she did this great session on power dynamics and power and authority. And I figured I had a couple options. I could just steal everything that she said um, and just share it with you. Or she could share it with you. So I thought that would be better <laughs> instead of stealing. Um, so what I wanted to do is just, um, and by the way, um, we had a service at 9 o'clock today. That was the first time she and I talked this stuff through. We kind of planned, but we didn't practice. And so uh, this is the second time we've ever had this conversation. Um, and so good luck. We didn't practice this except for this morning. So hi, Wendy. Thanks. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, so basically, um, the stuff that you covered with our staff was just amazing. Um, and just kind of want to hit a couple of these high points and some stuff that you and I have talked about since then. And just kind of, there are people here um, who have been hurt by people with, in power and authority. Um, if that's us, if that's me, if that's you, if you're thinking that's me right now, mm-hmm. what do we do? <laughs> like, this, this, it's great. All of this is great theologically. But what do we do? if we've been hurt by someone in power and authority in our lives? Yeah. Um, My first answer is kind of trite, um, but it's only trite because it's true. Um, And that is that Jesus sees you. He sees you in your hurt and in your pain. Um, And he is the good shepherd. Um, That verse in Ezekiel talks about, he chastises the shepherds who do not go and bandage the injured. Right. Um, and Jesus, we have that parable of the, the shepherd seeking out that one lost one. And so Jesus will see you when you're hurting and he will come find you and he'll care for you. He'll bandage your wounds. And I know um, when you're hurting, you can know that up here, but it's hard to know it here. So I would just encourage you to, to pray and seek his word and really turn to him with your hurt and your pain. Now, one of the words you just used though... Um... So that, that's all Jesus seeing us. You also said Jesus identifies with us. We, we think about Jesus, we think about him as like, you know, all-powerful God of the universe. Talk about that identity piece for a second. Yeah. Um, I never thought about this till I started digging more deep into power and authority. But when he came down here to earth, his whole life was in the midst of a power struggle. When he walked the earth, he was in a power struggle with um, the Jewish authorities. His whole death was in the midst of a power struggle between the Jews and the Romans. Um, And so he knows what that feels like to submit to authority, to be hurt by authority. Um, And then in the midst of his hurt and his pain, he went to the cross for us. Um, So he, he knows what that feels like. He knows how, what it mean, feels like to be mistreated, to not to be valued. Yeah. And one of the things that really, when I was talking to the interns after your session, one of the things that uh, really struck one of them was that idea that, um, that she actually had power. Talk about that for a second, just because in the midst of sometimes when we've been hurt by those of power, we forget that we have any power. Yeah. Talk about that for a second, because that was really good. 
Yeah, um, I think it's important for us to remember that we are made in the image of God. And because we're made in the image of God, we inherently have power. God has given us a voice. He created things with words. He wants us to use our voice. And so um, because we're created in his image, we have power that no one can truly take away from us. They might dampen it. We might be afraid to use it, but it's there because we are created in his image and because he loves us so dearly. And so just being able to tap into that and realize like, man, I do have some power. And for some of us, it's going to start out like small, like maybe it's this week when we go out to dinner and our food comes wrong, we actually use our voice to say no. You know, and for some of us, that's where we're at. We've been hurt so bad that we're afraid to even say that. Um, and so it might start small, something like that. I, j- I just eat anything. So <laughs> it comes wrong. My wife has all the power. She sends it back. I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm lazy. I just want to eat this. Yeah. But. Um, and so then for some of us, it might be like, it's time. And right. I'm ready to go and confront the person um, who has abused me. Mm-hmm. So. And, is, and, and, and is that what you recommend as the step to go confront the person who's, I mean, because I know that, especially with power dynamics, that could be kind of all over the place. Is that yeah. like the next step for everybody? Is no. that, okay. No, okay. Not, not at all. Um, I think if you have been hurt, the first step is to work through forgiveness. Um, just with yourself. Leave the other person where it's at, but you have to work on that forgiveness because if you harbor bitterness, they're continuing to have power over you. And so that forgiveness in your own heart, you need to work through that first. And that might be on your own, just with scripture, or it might be um, that you go and seek out someone who is safe, who can listen to you, who can help you process all of that. Um, But it does not necessarily mean that you have to go face your abuser. Um, And so um, you may be able to work through that and never, ever go back to that person. And I think that's okay. Or there might be a case where you feel like you need to do that, um, but it's not not every case. Yeah. yeah, that's good. I want to kind of flip this on, on its head a little bit because, like uh, that intern was sharing with me, um, and she was sh- that she has power. All of us also have power and authority in other situations. So sometimes we're the one who's been kind of like pushed down. Sometimes we have power and authority. So speak to those of us in our positions where we have power and authority. Um, what things do we need to be aware of um, related to this whole topic? Yeah. Um, The first thing is just be aware of your power and your authority. So a lot of times, those of us who have power, when we walk into a room, when we sit at a table with other people, um, we think in our minds, I'm just like them. There's really nothing that makes me different. And that's a good posture to have, right? If we weren't like that and we came into the room thinking, I have all the power, like we've got another set of issues to deal with. (laughs) Um, But if we come in there and we sit and we don't realize the power that we hold, because if we come in with a title, with some kind of, um, you know, just like being a staff person, holds a different weight. Being an elder holds a different weight. So when you walk in that room, the people at the table automatically give you power. They automatically see that you have some power. Um, And so we have to be careful because sometimes we'll just say things like randomly or whatever, and somebody will take that to heart thinking that you're using your power in that. Um, And we might have good intentions, but the impact that we have on others is 
um, can be hurtful or can be deep. And so we need to be careful and recognize what kind of power we hold and how we use that when we walk into a room. Yeah, when, after, the, after the first service, I had somebody come up to me and he said, uh, for him, he wrestles with knowing when he's a sheep and when he's a shepherd. <laughs> he's yeah. like, sometimes I'm part of the flock, sometimes I'm a shepherd. And in different spaces, navigating those. And I think it is, it's good for us to remember that we're both. Um, we're both sheep and shepherd, and even Jesus, who was the chief, is the chief shepherd, is also the Lamb of God. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, and so we're both of those. So, um, so like, if we're somebody who has power and authority, and we're starting to become aware of the power and authority, we're realizing we've kind of screwed that up. Like, what steps can we take um, to deal with that? To deal with what we are starting to realize we may have done. Yeah, how we've misused it. I think, first of all, um, just like the person who is hurt, the person who has done wrong, Jesus sees them. And he's there ready to reconcile you and to, um, to accept your repentance. So I would say turn back to him. Uh, turn to him, ask for forgiveness. Um, and then it comes to the point where what do I do after that? You know, like change my character, continue working on my sanctification, be more aware of how I use my power. But how do I go and um, remedy the, the brokenness that I've created? Um, and I think for that aspect, you really have to pray for wisdom and to see what that looks like. Does it look like me going and saying I'm sorry to the person um, like face to face, or would that cause more harm? Mm-hmm. You know, you have yeah. to think through that. Um, think about like maybe I just write them a letter or send them a text or something like that where it's not face to face. Or is it that you deal with that repentance in your own heart and you leave that situation because it may cause more harm going back? Yeah. Um, but just, um, you know, it, the Bible is clear that if we ask for wisdom, he will give it. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I keep going back to that, that passage that we just kind of started with in Matthew 20, Jesus' exhortation to us. And so this is what I just want to share for those of you who uh, have power and authority in different situations, whatever that realm is. Just listen again to Jesus. He says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those in high positions act as tyrants over them. That is how the world is. Let's just ex- say, okay, that is. It is how the world is. It's how the world's going to be. Um, it must not be like that among you. As followers of Jesus, we are to be a light that is different in this world. And so in those spheres, whether it be your home, parents, where you have power and authority, is your workplace, where you're a manager, wherever that place is, it must not be like that for you. Let's be different than the world. It says... On the contrary, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. Let's just intentionally rank ourselves under other people. That's what Jesus did. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so here's the deal. Jesus came with more power and authority than anyone has ever had or ever will, and he used his power to serve. Let's let that be us. Jesus laid down his life to buy us back from the tyranny of sin, Satan, and death. Let's be that. And if you have suffered under the hands of someone who misused their power, come to Jesus because he is gentle and lowly. 
and he understands and he identifies with you. And, and, and if you are someone who's misused your power, come to Jesus. <laughs> Repent of that and, and, and be new. And let's just pray that Riverview becomes a place um, where people see Jesus through how we use our power and authority differently than the world does. And so what I'd love, Wendy, just to wrap us up, would you pray for us and, and our church family and just, just kind of wrap us up with prayer? Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, dear God, um, we just come to you today with hearts that are heavy, Lord. This is such a weighty topic to think about. And we acknowledge that we have not always used our power that you have given us well, Lord. Um, we have hurt others, and we just ask for forgiveness, Lord. Um, I just ask that you would change our hearts, Lord, and our character so that we can reflect you more and more each day. Help us to use the power that you have given us for your glory and not our own. And God, some of us have been really hurt by power and authority, and um, I'm so thankful that you are the great comforter and healer, Lord. And just please work in our hearts and heal us from this hurt. Help us to see that we still have power and value because you created us, Lord, and you um, gave us that image, your image in us, Lord, and that you love us so dearly. And lastly, Lord, I just want to lift up our elders to you, Lord. They are our shepherds. And I pray that you would continue to guide them as they shepherd us, Lord. Help them to use their power to care for us and to shepherd well and not to lord over us with greed or power, Lord. Um, help them to be shepherds that the flock can trust and that um, shepherds that love and care and seek out the hurt and seek out the loss, Lord. And we just thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you that he was that example of power and authority and yet um, willing to lay down and suffer for us, Lord. Uh, um, we just thank you so much for him. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.